You're listening to Green Biz Radio, the voice of GreenBiz.com, bringing you news and analysis on business, the environment, and the bottom line. Now, here's Green Biz Executive Editor, Joel McCower. According to author Diane McEachern, women make 80% of all consumer buying decisions. They control at least half of business-to-business purchases, too. Put that together and you have what she calls the big green purse, the growing clout of women in the green economy. McEachern, a veteran environmental writer and communications strategist, believes that represents a big business opportunity for companies. I spoke with McEachern recently on the occasion of her just-published book, Big Green Purse, Use Your Spending Power to Create a Cleaner, Greener World, about how green-minded companies can tap in. So, Diane, tell me, first of all, what is the Big Green Purse? Big Green Purse is a program that encourages consumers, and especially women, to use their money to protect the environment. And they can do that by making choices on behalf of better products and services that actually offer a better environmental benefit. Is this something that you see happening now? Is this a new phenomenon, or has this been going on a while? You know, people have sort of been dabbling their toes in this, and certainly we wouldn't have seen the progress with the organic food market that we've seen or the demand for recycled paper, those kinds of things. But now there's really a hunger. Everybody realizes that we need to do something to protect the planet, and people spend money every day. So the idea of putting the two together really appeals to a lot of people. So tell me more about what we know about the the Big Green Purse marketplace. Who are these people? How many? What kind of clout? What are they willing to do? By and large... The consumers that have, all consumers have power. The green marketplace, the big green purse marketplace is really focused on women because women are spending about 85 cents of every dollar in the marketplace, which if you think about it is more than, when you look at the $2.7 billion a day women are earning plus the trillions that we're spending uh, for companies that we manage or nonprofits that we volunteer to uh, volunteer for, it exceeds the economy of Japan. I mean, the clout is absolutely enormous. So, what do we know about how willing this huge market is to make green choices? People are very willing, actually, and it's one of the reasons why I think the the idea of Big Green Purse has been so popular. Uh, certainly, we're seeing increasingly choices for organic milk, organic food. Um, energy-efficient appliances, and so on. Every single sector of the marketplace seems to be growing by leaps and bounds, and the green sector seems to be the the fastest-growing of those sectors. Um, the thing that's the issue for most consumers, and especially women, is how do you make the choices so that, in fact, you, you avoid greenwashing so that you can really make your money matter? How do you? Well, you know, I advise people to, first of all, counterintuitively, but buy less. I mean, certainly by buying less, you get yourself in a little bit less of a bind with with the products that you're confused about anyway. Um, but mostly I encourage people to look at labels, to really take labels seriously, and to encourage the companies that they support to achieve sustainable standards. And by shopping using labels, and there are a lot of labels now that do have a lot of teeth behind them, the organic label, the Forest Stewardship Council label, and so on, uh, you can avoid the greenwashing that a lot of companies get into. But how do you know most of these products, with the exception of things like FSC and organic, there's still very few labels that apply to a lot of personal care products, for example. 
uh, at least labels that have uh, well-regarded definitions and, 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 as you call it, teeth. How do we think about the majority of products, and how do we, you know, what do we look for that, that would say greenwash? Well, certainly as far as the greenwashing goes, I encourage people to be very skeptical of words like biodegradable and natural and earth-friendly and eco and happy planet and these these things that really could mean anything to anybody. And And, have no legal definition. And they have no legal definition. Specifically, say with personal care products, it's easier to choose products that don't have certain ingredients in them. So, for example, with personal care products, I say, you know, if it has parabens, phthalates, fragrances, or antibacterials like triclosan, those are four ingredients you can look for. If they're on the label, you walk away, choose a product that is free of those ingredients. Just those four actually helps you make a choice that will get you into a safer zone. With cleaning products, it's, it's very much the same thing. You can buy fragrance-free cleaning products, which means that you're buying a product that doesn't contain phthalates. So in some cases where you can't find the label, you can look for ingredients that are or are not there and choose the product that doesn't have the ingredients that are worrisome. How well do you think companies are doing uh, a job of, of both serving the market, making the products available, and communicating to the big, big green purse market the value propositions from an environmental and health perspective? You know, not a lot of companies, I think, are getting the advertising right. I think there are more and more companies that have the intention right, but they seem to me to be using the old, they've got an old approach to it as opposed to a new approach. And they're often talking about the product from their point of view as opposed to the product from the consumer's point of view. The big obstacles for women in making the right consumer choices are about there are about five. Time is a huge issue, confusion about what's available, concern about quality, price is a factor, and then a lot of women think, if I'm not doing it all, there's no point in doing anything at all. And I don't see a lot of companies marketing their products to meet the information needs that people have to overcome those obstacles. So they're still talking about sort of the rosy environmental picture that will be achieved if somebody chooses their product, as opposed to saving, saying, choose this product, it's really going to save you money, it's going to save you time, giving them the information that makes it easy for them to make a decision. Tell me more about this idea of, of companies talking about it from their point of view rather than the customer's point of view. You know, I think that it's just a way of doing business in the advertising world. It seems to me like there's an as um, there's a tendency to sell the green products the same way the standard product is sold, except they'll put a sun, you know, a nice bright sun in the background, or they put plants growing in the foreground, as opposed to thinking about the actual need, the lifestyle need that somebody would have in order to buy that product. Can you give me an example of some that have done it either right or maybe wrong? You know, I think that, for example, Bonami Cleanser is doing it right. Their advertising is very female-friendly. It's very clear on the label what's in the product. There's total transparency in terms of ingredients. They talk about the need that's going to be met from a cleaning point of view, but also from an environmental and health point of view, and it's cheap. So it meets all, it overcomes all of the obstacles that would get in the way of somebody buying the product. You mentioned earlier that um, one of the things you counsel women is possibly to buy less. Uh-huh. 
that seems to have been, at least historically, a, a tough sell. Uh, people don't want to buy less. They want to buy what they want to buy. What kind of reception are you getting for that? And is it different now than it may have been a few years ago? I think that it is different now because... First of all, the economy is tight, and I think that may actually work in our favor, in the, in the favor of protecting the environment. But also, what I'm finding as I'm talking to women around the country is there's a lot of interest in the idea of buying less, actually. Um, you know, for people who have kids, and they see their kids sort of running through clothes and clothes and clothes, the idea of encouraging them to buy less by going to thrift stores, let's say, or going to swap meets or having yard sales, especially with parents of younger children, that's a very appealing idea. And it doesn't take any more time to do that than to go to the, make a big trip to the mall and buy all of those things. Um, the fact that Craigslist and FreeCycle and SwapTree and all of these services are now available to make it easy for you to exchange things and to get things for free. You put things on the curb, somebody takes them, you go to somebody's curb and get them. That also has made it much easier for people to get into this mindset that they can buy less and still get what they want. You wrote the book Save Our Planet in 1990, so you got into this about the same time that, that I did. And I'm wondering how you see things changing in terms of consumers' willingness and companies' willingness to authentically address the green marketplace? You know, consumers have changed in that they're more educated now than I think they've ever been before. We've certainly had a lot more information become available to us. So in 1990, even though you and I knew climate change was a real issue, not as much science existed behind the the claims, and certainly it was news to consumers. Now... Everybody has at least heard something about climate change, and there's a sense that we need to do something about it. So I think consumers are far more educated, and they're also accepting of the fact that a lot of these alternatives that were maybe pie in the sky in 1990 actually do work. And there's a lot of, you know, we've got numbers on the books now that show that saving energy saves money. We've got, you know, and things are available as well. You know, the first compact fluorescent light bulb I bought in about 1990 was $25. And now you can get, you know, three for six ninety nine or something at Walmart or Target. So consumers, because of that, the availability of products and a lot of information that's come out, I think consumers are willing. And everywhere I go, people say to me, you know, what can I do? With companies, I think too, with companies, there's been a real evolution. But what's fun about the marketplace is there are all these entrepreneurs coming along. And so they're really leading sort of the stodgy old manufacturers who've been in the business for a really long time. And in fact, a lot of the older companies are really racing to catch up with what the entrepreneurs are doing because they're responding to what's happening in the world around them. Who are some of the entrepreneurs you're excited about? Well, certainly method cleaners, if you take a look at what they're doing. Uh, it seems like, you know, I'm getting emails from people saying, I saw method at Target, should I buy it? You know, and, and that's, that's terrific. The now, now clothing company, NAU, uh, they're doing fabulous work, you know, I think setting a new standard for the clothing industry and how to make sustainable fabrics, how to recover them, how to reclaim them from the, market, from the, the waste stream so that they can be made into new clothing. Uh, Formo Marmoleum is a terrific product. You know, that's a, it's a flooring, it's like a linoleum that's made from 97% biodegradable materials, and they're meeting the smart, sustainable standard, which means that from, beginning, from the beginning of their life cycle to the end, they're achieving high sustainability um, uh, standards. And, you know, so there's, they're really marketplace leaders, I think. I know what reporters are asking you these days, as are consumers, 
what are the three things or few things that I can do if, if I just have, you know, can do three things. What would you say to a company that wanted to address the big green purse? What are the two or three things that they should be doing? Ideally, they would start with a life cycle analysis. And whether they're a manufacturer or a service provider, they should look at how they do business. Because in the course of doing business, you're using energy, you're using water, obviously you're generating a lot of waste. And in every one of those arenas, there's an opportunity to use those resources more efficiently and save money. So I would start by doing an analysis of how you do business and where the opportunities are to save energy and reduce waste and use less materials. Anything else? Well, in the short term, you know, uh, everybody's always changing light bulbs, and it's sort of a joke now, you know, do you change a light bulb or not? But if you think about the impact that using energy that efficiently has on climate change, on air and, and water and so on, it makes sense. If they haven't, you know, if companies haven't already just changed their light bulbs, they certainly should do it. Companies that have fleet vehicles should certainly be buying the most fuel-efficient vehicles they can, given the needs that they have for the company, and changing the way, you know, the way those vehicles are driven. Even if you're not replacing vehicles, every vehicle has an opportunity for improvement. And again, when we're reducing the amount of gasoline we're burning, the chain effect is really fantastic, climate change, air and water quality, and so on. So let's assume I do those things. I do the life cycle analysis and I do some greening of my facilities and, and my vehicles. Is that something that's worth talking about in the sense that, that women, for example, uh, female marketplace would respond to that? Is that good enough for me to really brag about? You know, I just read an analysis done called the Eco Opinion Survey. Maybe you saw it. And especially as far as energy is concerned, and maybe it's because people don't understand a lot of other actions, but they understand what it means to save energy. Supposedly, according to this survey, companies that first and foremost take steps to save energy have the greatest credibility in terms of their overall environmental profile. So are you optimistic that there's some real changes that can be made by having consumers voting with their dollars? Oh, absolutely. You know, just the fact that people are constantly saying, what can I do? You look at something like reusable bags. You know, even a year ago, how many people were actually thinking about this issue? Now, even Nordstrom, there was a story earlier this week about Nordstrom introducing a reusable tote for department store shopping. So now we're going to be on grocery stores to department stores, which is really terrific. It seems like every day there's some new development in the marketplace that makes it easier for manufacturers to meet consumer demand for greener products. And it's going to benefit to manufacturers as well because they'll have greater, I think, they'll have greater acceptance of the marketplace and they'll be saving money as well. You know, one thing I do want to add is that because what will, what will be interesting to see is what happens as more women become purchasing agents at companies? It used to be that that was really a male-dominated job. Now, at least 50%, if not more, of the people who make decisions about fleet vehicles and furniture and reams of paper and office supplies are female. And it'll, it'll be, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that as more and more women get into a position where they can really exercise their clout at the office as well as at home, uh, we're going to see companies making sounder decisions uh, as far as the, you know, their sort of immediate environmental impact is concerned. 
So that's a very big green purse. It's a, it's a really substantial green, green purse, and it really has the chance, I think, to accelerate what's happening in the marketplace even more quickly. Diane, thanks so much for talking with me. It was my pleasure. You've been listening to Green Biz Radio. For the latest daily news on business, the environment, and the bottom line, and to sign up for our free newsletters, visit greenbiz.com.